Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. I'm Steve Z. Let's get started. Introducing the all-new 2021 Shandu Democrat, the ultimate transportation automobile for the active liberal. The new 2021 Shandu Democrat is a Chinese-manufactured all-electric car that runs on wind and solar only, so it does not pollute. Made from 100% recycled materials, including high-strength plastic frame and axles, repurposed glass, and seat covers made from donated clothing, the 2021 Shandu Democrat is the perfect vehicle for the liberal progressive lifestyle. And new for 2021, the COVID edition Shandu Democrat comes with five individual COVID mask hangers, UV light sanitizers, a pre-start COVID testing apparatus, and alcohol sanitizing dispensers located throughout the cabin. The 17-speaker sound system comes available only with CNN, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, ABC, CNBC, HLN, and of course, NPR. You'll never have to worry about hearing evil Republican commentary because we have blocked it all, permanently. No wind outside? Cloudy day? Dark of night? That's your problem. The 2021 Shandu Democrat will never use an ounce of petroleum or ever rely on electricity from the grid. The tires are made from actual rubber tree plants. So if it's dark and breeze-free, you can now sit on the side of the road and look at all that nature has to offer. Available in every color of the rainbow, except white, of course. The 2021 Shandu Democrat, coming to a Biden dealership near you. And it's AOC approved. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the afternoon edition of the Truth Hurts program for Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. Yes, sometimes I get to squeeze two of these programs out in a day. Lucky for you, right? Uh-huh. Well, we're going to get right to it, and we'll do that right after we do this. Be prepared for new transformation in five, four, three. Two, one, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Oh my God, here's Avi. Here's Avi. Whoa, 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 whoa. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. I'd like to play for you a montage posted on the House Minority Whip Steve Scalise Facebook page. Congressman Steve Scalise posted the following. On day one in office, the president signed 17 executive orders in action. In one of his first executive orders, President Biden called the Keystone XL project a disservice. The move also killed 11,000 jobs. We depend on these projects to, uh, you know, provide a living for our families. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. It's, it's tough. Uh, he wants the 100-day freeze on deportation. Uh, and he wants to halt the border wall funding. And a second caravan is now mobilizing. Biden, you're going to have all the rest. He's given us 100 days to get to the U.S. When are we going to see one of those, you know, sort of substantial outreaches that says this is something that, you know, the Republicans want to do, too? He really doesn't have any legislative initiative designed to bring the country together. Biden rejoined the Paris Climate Accord and re-engage with the World Health Organization, which is controlled by China. Today he still showed that he's a complete pawn of the teachers' unions. Democratic supporters in Pennsylvania, New Mexico, and elsewhere are having early-onset buyer's remorse. 
President Biden is planning to extend his ban on new leases on fracking from the original two months now to an entire year. Well, sources tell CNN that President Biden is, quote, starting from scratch on a vaccine distribution plan. We certainly are not starting from scratch. Common sense seems to be lacking in uh, some of the early days of the decision of this new administration. Well, thank you, Mr. Scalise, for having the courage to publish that on social media. I'm really surprised that the fake book fact check police haven't torn that down. Target Stores is the latest company to drop Chowco milk made from coconuts, coconut milk, over allegations of forced monkey labor. PETA, the people for eating tasty animals, oh, I'm sorry, PETA, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, said the retailer will no longer sell coconut milk from that brand because of its alleged ties to monkey labor. They're talking about actual monkeys. Simeons. Chowco's Thai supplier has been accused of forcing monkeys to pick coconuts from the trees, according to CNN. And in a statement to USA Today, Target said it takes those monkey claims seriously. And they've removed the coconut milk. I guess they're not monkeying around, right? Costco has also reportedly stopped selling that brand of coconut milk because of forced monkey labor in Thailand. I guess they're not monkeying around, right? Oh, you can't make this stuff up, folks. According to PETA, 26,000 stores, including Wegmans, Food Lion, and Stop and Shop, have also cut ties with the coconut milk brand Chao Co. C-H-A-O-K-O-H. I guess they're not monkeying around, right? That company has denied the allegations. It previously said it audited its coconut plantations using third-party and found no use of monkeys for coconut harvesting. Oh well, I guess you folks who like coconut milk will have to find another brand and another supplier because of monkey labor. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. Chuckles the Clown Schumer made a gaffe of his own last week, and I thought I'd play it again for you because it's just damned funny. The fact is, the House will deliver the article of impeachment to the Senate. The Senate will conduct a trial of the impeachment of Donald Trump. It will be a full trial. It will be a fair trial. But make no mistake, there will be a trial, and when that trial ends, senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John, Donald John Trump incited the erection, insurrection against the United States. Wait, what? Senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John don't. Donald John Trump don't. incited the erection don't, 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 don't. insurrection don't. against the United States. Incited the erection. Incited the erection. Don't. Incited the erection. The erection. The erection. The erection. Don't. Sounds like Chuckles the Clown Schumer was excited about an erection of Donald John Trump. These folks are fixated on the impeachment of the former president, which turns out is likely unconstitutional and will fail miserably 
just as their first feeble attempt to impeach him ended up. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Don't! And a group of Senate Democrats led by Senator Tom Carper of Delaware, a Democrat of course, reintroduced legislation to give Washington, D.C. the status of statehood. They did that today, marking the first major effort to push towards statehood since the Capitol riots occurred earlier this month. The bill, which was first introduced back in 2013, would give citizens of the district full authority over local issues, as well as grant them full representation in Congress. Carper said in a statement, This isn't a Republican or Democratic issue, it's an American issue, because the lack of fair representation for D.C. residents is clearly inconsistent with the values on which this country was founded. He is, of course, incorrect. The District of Columbia was carved out as a district and not as a state so that the seat of federal power in our nation would not have a bias towards any particular state in which the seat of federal government was located. That was the design, the intent, the methodology behind developing a District of Columbia instead of a state of Columbia. Washington, D.C. is home to roughly 700,000 residents, a population that is larger than Wyoming and Vermont. Republicans argue that the effort is a push to expand Democrat interests on Capitol Hill. Critics also argue that the push goes against the 23rd Amendment, which gives D.C. residents the right to vote in presidential elections, but gives them as much say as the least populous state. In order for D.C. to become a state, Democrats would need the support of a minimum of 10 Republicans. However, if the Senate ends the filibuster, statehood could be accomplished with 50 votes and a tie-breaking vote from Toe Harris, another Democrat. President Biden has long signaled his support for statehood for the district, and why not? Being a new state with a majority of AA 13% hyphenated Americans, they would almost guarantee two additional senators to the Democrat ranks, as well as however many House of Representatives members a 700,000-person new state would garner. The legislation comes as calls for the District of Columbia to become the 51st state have grown louder in the wake of the riots at the Capitol building this month. Despite the building being located in the heart of D.C., the district had no power to activate the National Guards, as other states like Virginia have been able to do. The calls for statehood did begin long before the riots as Democrats prepared to take the majority in the Senate. And their leader, Mayor Muriel Bow Wow Bowser, a Democrat, has called for a vote on statehood roughly an hour before the storming of the Capitol occurred on January 6th. She said, Just like the millions of Americans who voted nationwide and the thousands who organized and voted in Georgia, we is ready to build a more perfect union. One in which all voices are heard. One in which we can work together to uplift families in cities and suburbs and small towns. And one in which the 712,000 residents of Washington, D.C. have full access to our nation's democracy. 
Yes, yes, yes. The chances of a Republican majority in the Senate keep slipping further and further away. First D.C., then Puerto Rico. And before you know it, there will be no chance of a Republican Senate or a Republican House or a Republican President ever again. And that may have already been put into play as Donald Trump's supporter base is growing more and more and more disillusioned with the Republican Party as calls for Donald Trump to start a third party go crazy out there, Republicans are freaking the hell out. After all, they could lose a third to half or even more of their registered Republican constituents if Trump decides to start a third party and many of his supporters defect, leave the Republican Party to join the new Trump party. Republican leaders are going, Oh God, please don't do it! That would decimate the Republicans and it would give Democrats a permanent control because no one's going to leave the Democrats to become a Republican and no one will leave the Democrats to become a Trump party member. It's going to kill us. You did it to yourselves, Republican Party. You did it to yourselves when you started your campaign of never-Trumpers, of rhinos, of people who refused to listen to the base of those who supported the party, those who have fiscal conservatism as one of their major desires, those who support the Second Amendment and the equal application of the First Amendment. True conservatives are leaving the Republican Party because the Republican Party has left real conservatives. You had to see this coming, Republicans. You had to see this was long in the making, RNC. How could you not? How could you be that blind? How could you be that ignorant to the fact that many, many in your base were disillusioned with the direction the party was headed and that they were ecstatic about the prospect of a Donald J. Trump in the White House? Look at the massive amount of support he gathered from registered Republicans. Like him or hate him, Donald John Trump got more votes, 70 million plus, than any previous Republican candidate for president in the history of the nation. But you turned your back on him and you turned your back on the Republican constituents who helped you, congressmen, you, senators, you, governors, you, state representatives, state senators, mayors, aldermen. You abandoned those who supported you. And now you have to worry because they might just turn to the new T party. That's T for Trump. Not T as in the Tea Party that was out there before that was so vilified and so demonized by the media and many so-called centrist Republicans. 
Hey, folks, you did it to yourselves, and that is the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. We'll be right back. Now, this next story can go either way. You can blame Donald Trump for rushing the vaccines to market too early, or you can blame the Democrat machine and the Bill Gates and the World Health Organization and the vast conspiracy. But here's a story out of Orange County, California. The Orange County Register reports that Tim Zook, age 60, an x-ray technician at the South Coast Global Medical Center in Santa Ana, had an upset stomach and he had problems breathing before going to the hospital. Well, that may not be a big deal, but the headline of this article says, Man dies after receiving second Pfizer vaccine. The Orange County coroner is investigating the death of a healthcare worker in Santa Ana, California, after he received his second dose of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus 2019 Pfizer vaccine. They said Zook's blood pressure soon dropped and he was transferred to the UC Irvine Medical Center. On Friday, I get a call. His kidneys are failing. He needs to be on dialysis. If not, he could die. But there's also a chance he might have a heart attack or a stroke on dialysis because his blood pressure is so low. This according to his wife, Rochelle Zook. While his COVID-19 tests had come back negative, his wife said he had high blood pressure but was treating it with medication. So she doesn't blame the pharmaceutical company. A spokesman for BioNTech and Pfizer told the Orange County Register that the company is aware of Zook's death and is thoroughly reviewing the matter. The company emailed a statement, which was picked up by the OC Register. Our immediate thoughts are with the bereaved family. We monitor closely all such events and collect relevant information to share with global regulatory authorities. Based on ongoing safety reviews performed by Pfizer, BioNTech, and health authorities, the vaccine retains a positive benefit to risk profile for the prevention of COVID-19 infections. Serious adverse events, including deaths that are unrelated to the vaccine, are unfortunately likely to occur at a similar rate as they would in the general population. Way to cover that ass! And the coronavirus takes another toll on families in America. A family is outraged after 10 adults and 10 children got kicked off of an airline flight in Utah over magic mask rules. Family of 20 people was kicked off an American Airlines flight this week after crew members accused them of, quote, flouting mandatory mask rules, unquote while boarding the plane at Salt Lake City's International Airport. The 10 adults and 10 children, who ranged in age from 3 to 13, were then forced to board different flights Sunday as they protested the airline's decision to boot them off the plane. One of the passengers, Scott Wilson, told a local news outlet that everyone in his family was wearing masks at all times, though he does believe one person accidentally dropped their mask slightly below their nose for a moment before quickly correcting it. He said fellow passengers 
and even gate agents saw what happened, and they sided with the family, accusing the captain of being a dick, of treating them unfairly, the article says. Wilson told the television station, there was actually a couple of families around us that stood up and was like, this is wrong, that guy's being a jerk. He was yelling at other people as they came on too, and he was already mad at these guys, and they didn't do anything. Talking about the captain. American Airlines did not immediately return any requests for comment Wednesday morning, but a spokesman told KSL Television that the Dallas-bound family was reported to be non-compliant with mask regulations. The carrier's mandatory COVID-19 policy which requires face coverings to be worn properly over the nose and mouth. The company also claims that the passengers were reminded to wear their masks properly before they were removed from the flight. The family eventually split up and had to book flights with multiple carriers, including Delta and United. I'm telling you folks, it's gone too far. Now, if I were an enterprising young lawyer, I would jump on that case and I would ask the captain what his certification in maskology was. Who is he to make the decision whether the masks were worn quote unquote properly? And if the airline is requiring a quote unquote proper fitting of masks, should not they be providing masks of certain types and proper airline approved instruction for everyone to wear their mask properly? I know it sounds ridiculous, but it sounds to me like the family of 20 has a nice lawsuit against American Airlines. We'll be right back. Wear your mask properly. Why I yoda. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. Love her or hate her, Kaylee McEnany will be coming to a television screen near you. Newsweek magazine posted an article that says documents link Kaylee McEnany to Fox News job after her Trump press role. The hot little blonde former press secretary with a mouth full of fire. The former White House press secretary for Donald Trump is reportedly in talks to go to work for Fox News. The group Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington has obtained a financial disclosure report that showed McEnany and Fox News entered into an employment agreement for January the 1st. McEnany is said to have listed employment agreement with Fox News starting to work in January on her termination report when she left her post at the White House. A Fox spokesman told the website The Hill that McEnany is not currently an employee or contributor at the network. Newsweek contacted Fox News for clarification. McEnany worked at Fox News early in her career as a producer for Mike Huckabee's television show. She also made occasional appearances as a guest commentator on the Republicans' favorite network. After Trump failed in his bid for re-election, she made frequent visits to Sean Hannity's show to discuss claims of voter fraud and the campaign's legal challenges. If she does join the Fox team, McEnany will be following in the footsteps of one of her three predecessors as Trump's press secretary. Sarah Sanders became a contributor on the channel after she left the White House 
back in early 2019. As a side note, Sanders is reportedly going to be running for governor in the state of Arkansas, a place where her father, Mike Huckabee, occupied the role of governor for many, many years. Another Trump staffer by the name of Hope Hicks joined Fox back in 2018 after leaving the White House. She did return as a senior advisor for Trump last year. So any way you look at it, you'll be seeing more of Kaylee McEnany in the near future if these rumors are true. If you're looking for a test of gropey Joe Biden's true power in the new administration, now that he has House and Senate firmly tucked into his Democrat playbook, you have to find out what the test parameters are. One of the first tests of the seriousness of the new president's insistence on unity in the country will be how the Democrats ram through the $2 trillion COVID stimulus package that gropey Joe has proposed. Democrats are increasingly talking about simply ramming the bill through to passage over the objection of Republicans, especially now that the party controls virtually every aspect of the federal government. The $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan includes funding for a third round of stimulus checks, a more than doubling of the minimum wage, and all kinds of foreign aid and other pet projects that have absolutely nothing to do with stimulating our economy in the wake of the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019 pandemic. MSNBC's Rachel Maddow did an interview with Democrat Senate Majority Leader Chuckles the Clown Schumer. And there was a topic that was raised during the interview about the lessons that the party learned about working with Republicans during the Obama years to frame the coming fight over Gropey Joe's new stimulus bill. Long story short is this. Schumer insisted to Rachel Maddow that the preference is for legislative results to come over comity and bipartisan niceties. Chuckles the Clown said, the caucus has united with the belief that I have. We must get big, strong, bold things done. Things like Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which includes funding for a third round of stimulus checks and a doubling of the minimum wage. Rachel Maddow pressed the Senate Majority Leader on something that Democrats are increasingly asking themselves right now whether or not they've truly learned the lessons of the Obama years, or will they, the Democrats, fall into the Republicans' trap once again? What trap, you may ask? The trap Maddow was referring to is a tendency for, as she says, Republicans to dangle the prospect of bipartisanship and then use it to water down important Democrat legislative priorities and then simply decline to vote for the thing once the time comes. Accordingly, at least one Democratic House member is already calling for the party to simply ram through Biden's stimulus plan without bowing to any GOP demands. Doing so, as California Democrat Rep. Ro Khanna sees it, 
would preserve signature elements like the $1,400 stimulus checks and as a reflection of the fact that, quote, Joe Biden won the election. That's how Kana explained it to Yahoo Finance Live. He said, Biden, he campaigned on this kind of plan and we should pass it. Naturally, Republicans who now occupy the minority in Congress, although I'm still scratching my head over that, following the results of the November election, which left 50 Republicans and 48 Democrats in the Senate, the math again does not play out. 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats. The Republicans should still be in control because there are two independents. Now I'm going to stop for just a moment. Let's say that there's a third party. Let's say that we're going to call it the Trumpeteer Party. We have the Trumpeteers, the Republicans, and the Democrats. And we'll add the independents in there just for grins and giggles. What if one day the Republicans have 33% and the Democrats have 30% and the Trumpicans have 30% and the remaining few percent go to the independents? Would not the first party with 33% be in the majority? Math and numbers don't lie. The Republicans have 50. The Democrats have 48. That means the Republicans should still be the majority. Yes, I understand there are two independent senators that caucus with the Democrats, but they are not Democrats. Angus King of Maine and Bernie Sanders of Vermont are independent. And since they always vote with the Democrats, why don't they just man up and admit that they're Democrats? But anyway, my point being, let's say tomorrow there are six independents and they all decided to side with the Republicans. Would that put the Republicans in the majority? Well, of course it would, because no matter what, right now the Republicans have two more registered identified members at 50 than the Democrats do at 48. And yet, for some reason, the Republicans just tucked their tails between their legs and said, Okay, I guess we're going to let Chuck Schumer run things. We're going to say we're a Democrat majority. When we're not. This is ridiculous. All right, sorry. Back to this article. Naturally, Republicans, according to this article, who now occupy the minority in Congress following the results of the November election, have balked at everything from the new stimulus bill's price tag to its inclusion of funding for stimulus checks and the bump to minimum wage. They're also bitching about all the foreign aid to all of those countries like China and the Ukraine, the political patronage, and all the other BS that's being rammed through this so-called stimulus bill. Ro Khanna is calling for Democrats to use a parliamentary maneuver called reconciliation to pass the Biden stimulus plan. Otherwise, passage will get dicey in the Senate where Democrats enjoy the absolute slightest of margins thanks to the tie-breaking vote of Vice Resident Camel Toe Harris. What that means is every Senate Democrat would need to vote together and they have to find an additional 10 Republicans to come on board to overcome a filibuster. 
That is, unless the so-called reconciliation process is the way they choose to go. Under that process, legislation can be rammed through the Senate simply with a majority vote. Republicans did it in 2017 to pass Trump's tax bill. I guess what's good for the goose, right? Along the same lines, Roll Connor told Yahoo Finance that he think it's also time to amend the so-called bird rule, which governs what legislation can actually be passed through reconciliation. Why should we be bothered, governed by what Robert Byrd thought in 1985 for this country, Roe Connor said. Because he was a duly elected senator. And just because you don't like his politics or his personal views towards the 13% double-A hyphenated American crowd is irrelevant. Your president, gropey dopey Joe Biden, was Robert Byrd's best friend. They were both KKK friendly. Robert Byrd was the Grand Kleagle of the KKK, and he and Biden campaigned together, dined together, golfed together, socialized together, Ro Khanna. So if you got some problem with the way Robert Byrd be doing things, you need to talk to your president, Joe Biden. Sorry, folks. Some things just get on my nerves. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. In previous editions of the Truth Hurts Program, I told you that there was a double standard and a vast difference in the way Republicans are treated when they make a mistake or regret having given a speech in their past and the way Democrats get a pass for all of their nastiness. President Biden's nominee to be ambassador to the United Nations admitted that it was a, quote, huge mistake unquote, for her to deliver a paid speech less than two years ago at the Savannah State University's branch of the Chinese state-funded Confucius Institute, which the United States considers a soft power extension of the Chinese Communist Party's influence efforts in this country. Really? Linda Thomas Greenfield who joined the Foreign Service in 1982 and worked her way to the Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs during the Barack Hussein Obama administration, gave a speech in Savannah in October 2019. Republican Senator Jim Risch of Idaho, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, brought up her speech during her confirmation hearing on Wednesday, calling it the elephant in the room. Democrat Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey, the Senate committee's ranking member, gave her a chance to splain herself. Savannah State University is, quote, the oldest historically black college and university in Georgia, and they have a goal of encouraging young people particularly young black and brown Americans who are underrepresented in our foreign service to pursue careers. I accepted that speech at the request of the university with the idea in mind that this will give me another opportunity to engage with young people, she said. She added, truthfully, I wish I had not accepted the specific invitation and I came across from the experience, frankly, alarmed at the way the Confucius Institute 
were engaging with the black community in Georgia. It reminded me of what I had been unseen in Africa, the Chinese government going after those in need with fewer resources. The 2019 Confucius Institute speech was given by Ms. Thomas Greenfield and was obtained by the Washington Post. It painted a rosy picture of China's actions in Africa. Thomas Greenfield said, The convention of wisdom about China is not nuanced enough. Beijing motivations are broader and more oriented towards long-term cooperation. On Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, she said that China had pushed useful investments on the continent, including the rollout of critical projects in Africa built by the Chinese, such as major railways, port development, and infrastructure products. She noted that China's engagement in the continent is not just economic, it is cultural. And speaking about investment, Ms. Thomas Greenfield said the U.S. should be focused on building a strong partnership with Africa, which is based on shared value of peace, prosperity, sustained economic growth and development, and a firm commitment to good governance, gender equality, and a rule of law. She said she sees no reason why China cannot share in those values. China is in a unique position to spread the ideals given a strong footprint on the continent. Her speech rejected the idea of a U.S.-China Cold War and critiqued U.S. policy. She said, those who will criticize Chinese predatory lending or the governments who accept these deals must acknowledge that in many cases, the United States and the West is not showing up or offering viable alternatives. She argued that in the U.S.-China-Africa relationship, win-win-win is possible. The Pentagon's annual report in September warned that through its Belt and Road efforts, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has signaled that this will drive China towards expanding its overseas military footprint to protect those interests, and that the Chinese government could use economic leverage in Africa to pursue its own geopolitical interests. The State Department warned in November that Africa, the PRC, is bent on acquiring vast amounts of the continent's raw, abundant materials and mineral wealth, and China's projects in Africa often burden local economies with heavy debt and other problems. During her Senate testimony, Thomas Greenfield said, I strongly support Congress crackdown on Confucius Institutes. I have a long track record speaking about China's malign influence and the debt trap tactics that they have used in Africa and elsewhere. China is a strategic competitor and poses challenges to our security. She also promised to counter China at the UN and to push back on China's self-interested and parasitic development goals in Africa. Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida said he was a bit puzzled by her explanation of the speech, noting that China's activities were well-documented and must have been well-known by such a veteran diplomat. Now, I'm just speculating on what I'm about to say, but I would imagine she was not happy about that. 
and she widened her eyes and flared her nostrils and nodded her head and wagged her little finger and said, this is a direct quote, I am not naive about China's malign influence and I know very well the activities of the Confucius Institute. What I was surprised about when I got there is that they had activities that went into our high schools, that went into our elementary schools that I was not aware of. I had never seen it in person in the United States. I had seen it in Africa for sure. And as I said, I truly regret having accepted that nomination and having my name associated with the Confucius Institute. She said she was paid an honorarium by the university. The fact that this was associated with the Confucius Institute was a truly huge mistake on my part. In August, the State Department designated the Confucius Institute U.S. Center in Washington, D.C. as a, quote, foreign mission of the Chinese Communist Party, unquote. Under the Trump administration, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the Education Secretary Betsy DeVos joined forces to warn that K-12 classrooms and universities throughout the United States are being targeted by Chinese Communist Party influence operations. The Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, led by Republican Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, released a 109-page bipartisan report in November 2019, concluding that foreign countries seek to exploit America's openness and advance their own national interests, and the most aggressive of them has been China. The subcommittee released an initial report February 2019 warning about foreign funding and about Chinese influence, spurring the Education Department into action. But she's going to get a pass, y'all. They're going to just slide her through because she has the qualifications for the job as follows. Number one, vagina. Number two, AA 13% hyphenated American heritage. And that's the truth. <laughs> and sometimes the truth hurts. We'll be back after this. Steve Zee and the Truth Hurts Program. Switching gears for a moment, America's nerd, Bill Gates, claims he's been worried about a pandemic hitting the world for decades. So much so, his foundation spent millions of dollars creating fictional scenarios for world leaders to troubleshoot in which mutating viruses infected humans and killed tens of millions before finally being contained. At global conferences, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation would get cabinet-level leaders to run through the script to show how unprepared they were and how little they'd thought about the issues. Who would model the epidemic spread? Where would the genetic sequencing happen? Which agencies could organize clinical trials? He said, We tried to get some awareness on how huge this vulnerability is in various global forums, the last one was run in partnership with the World Economic Forum in October of 2019 and was live streamed for the world to watch. October 2019, right before the Wuhan China novel coronavirus was somehow coincidentally released on the world? Hmm. He said, this has been the most surprising year of my life. On Wednesday, Bill and Melinda released their annual letter. It normally focuses on multiple projects like 
multi-billion dollar foundation projects working on the realms of global health and education. But this year, it's all about the COVID. So far, the foundation has pledged $1.75 billion for COVID-19 response, in addition to its decade-long funding of underlying vaccine technologies. Stop. Decade-long funding of underlying vaccine technologies? Gates spoke with USA Today about the role the U.S. has played in creating vaccines to fight COVID-19 and the promise of messenger RNA vaccines and the remarkable persistence of the conspiracy theory that he's slipping microchips into the vaccines. He says, no, I'm not microchipping anyone. And he's perplexed by the fantastical claim that he somehow used the COVID-19 vaccines to deliver microchips to track unsuspecting humans. He said he has no idea where that came from, and it makes no sense technologically. The idea of a microchip small enough to pass through the hypodermic syringe that could somehow be used to monitor or control people is not science. He says it's science fiction. And if it were possible, why would he even be involved in that? He doesn't get it. The idea might be worth a laugh, except there are lives on the line. Yes, Bill Gates said, if somebody's afraid of these vaccines because of this craziness, it means that they're not going to be protecting others. They're going to be potential source of transmission making the truth as compelling as some of the more outlandish theories that are circulating will take creativity and enlisting trusted community voices. It is compared to the work that his foundation has done in Africa for the polio vaccine, which has been dogged by false rumors that it causes sterility, he said. That is the rumor, and it's also tied to something he said several years ago that Africa and those poor countries, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the actual quote in front of me, are the places where we could simply wipe out large sections of the population. Bill Gates did say, and that he's been quoted on record as saying, the earth has about three billion too many, and that it would be much easier and acceptable to get rid of all the poor in those poor underdeveloped countries. But hey, that's a story for another day. In this hit piece against anyone who has doubts about the vaccine, Bill Gates goes on to tout his accomplishment of vaccinating people in Africa against polio. He says, They set an example and people start to go, Okay, you know, maybe this will stop my kid from getting paralyzed. I probably should do it. Gates is clear that without the United States, a vaccine to fight this SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 virus would have been much longer coming. He said the U.S. actually gets a high mark when it comes to innovation. The U.S. is still the majority in all the innovation power. Whether you take biology or IT or climate change, the world really does count on the United States. Mr. Trump is probably sitting back saying thank you because it happened under my administration. I did that, not Gropey Joe. The U.S. Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, housed within the Department of Health and Human Services, yes, a bureaucracy inside of a bureaucracy, put up more money towards research and development of COVID-19 vaccines than all other groups around the world combined. The second largest funder, he noted, was the Coalition for e Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, which was backed up by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.
Now I do have this to say, although I don't believe there's an actual microchip in the vaccine, it's not that far-fetched when you think about it. 200 years ago, when someone said man could get in something that weighs just a little more than man and fly through the air, they would have thought he was nuts. When man developed the automobile and someone said this thing could get you from New York to California in just a couple of days, people thought they were nuts. When someone said one day we'll all have little devices in our pockets where we can talk to anyone around the world and not just talk to them, but see their faces and watch movies and do complex mathematic problems right in the palm of our hands. In the 1950s, people said, we were nuts. When someone said, hey, one day we're going to put a man on the moon, two decades before that, people said, they're nuts. So it's not so far-fetched. Let's face it. Computers have gone from the size of small buildings to something that would actually fit in the palm of your hand, or even smaller. Back in the day, in order to have one gigabyte of memory, you needed a computer building with magnetic tape storage systems and reel-to-reel -reel type apparatuses that would take up the size of a small house. And now, right here, a little tiny micro SD card holds more information on it right now than the entire Apollo series of moon launches for NASA. Think about it. Is it really that far-fetched? I don't think that's what's happening, but it's not far-fetched for me to believe that there is an insidious plan for the vaccines and that years from now, there will be commercials on television saying, were you forced by your company to take the COVID-19 vaccine? And did you become sterile, unable to bear children, unable to carry on your family's heritage? If so, call the blah, 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 blah law firm right now at 1-800-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. It's not far-fetched, folks. They could sterilize an entire segment of our population and we wouldn't know about it for several years, if not decades. You are listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. And finally on this hump day, January 27th, 2021, according to an ABC News article, we are coming close to the apocalypse, scientists say. We may not be any closer to the apocalypse this year, but things aren't looking up either, according to scientists. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists said its 2021 doomsday clock remains at 100 seconds to midnight. Midnight being boom time. This year, COVID-19 is to blame for humanity remaining scarcely close to a global meltdown, according to the group, which is comprised of world leaders and Nobel laureates. Scientists said in a joint statement, the pandemic revealed just how unprepared and unwilling countries and the international system are to handle global emergencies properly. In this time of genuine crisis, governments too often abdicated responsibility, ignored scientific advice, did not cooperate or communicate effectively, 
and consequently failed to protect the health and welfare of their citizens. Climate change and other nuclear warfare, amplified by a rampant spread of disinformation on the internet, were also on the list of scientists' concerns. The existential threats of nuclear weapons and climate change have intensified in recent years because of a threat multiplier, that is, the continuing corruption of the information ecosphere on which democracy and public decision-making depend, they said. When the Doomsday Clock was established back in 1947, it was initially set at seven minutes to midnight, and the time has been adjusted forward or backward over the past seven decades. The farthest the clock had ever been from midnight was 17 minutes in 1991, when then-President Republican George H.W. Bush, Papa Bush, and then-Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev both announced reductions in the nuclear arsenals of their respective countries. Well, isn't that just special? Well, that's going to wrap up this afternoon's edition of the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Hey, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell a relative. Tell them how to listen to this program. They might learn something. You might enlighten someone who is otherwise unenlightened. And if you don't like the program, I always ask, why the hell are you still listening? But listen, we speak to all people, whether you believe what we have to say or not. What we say is the truth, and sometimes, of course, the truth hurts. Now go out there and make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Hi there, it's Steve Z, your host of the Truth Hurts program. If you want to contact us, our Twitter handle is at Hertz Program. That's the at sign Hertz Program on Twitter. If you have an idea, a comment, or an opinion you wish to share with the Truth Hurts program, drop us an email at thetruthhurtsprogram at gmail.com. And make it a great day. Hello, crackers. Yo, white bread. Have you ever wanted to play the race card, but your skin is just too light? Is your hair too straight or too blonde? Do you have blue eyes? Is your nose pointy? You don't obviously have what it takes to be able to play the race card. Until now... New from Game Card Industry Syndicate is a full deck of 54 race cards that you can play anytime, any place that you want to. Four sets of 13 individual suits of cards plus two jokers that can be used in any situation where your white privilege is creating a scene. The deck includes 13 solid black cards, 13 dark brown cards, 13 light brown cards, and 13 Asian cards, complete with oriental numerals. There's also two jokers. One shows the face of Al Sharptongue, and the other, Jesse, Jack's son. 
Your complete set of race cards is not available in stores, so you have to act now before this offer is censored by the mainstream media and social media platforms. Now even the fairest-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, freckle-faced conservative Caucasian can play the race card. To order, call toll-free 1-855-BIG-CHIP. That's 1-855-BIG-CHIP. Like the chip on the shoulders of those who don't want you to be able to play the race card. Operators are standing by. Ask now how you can add a deck of LGBTQ cards for use anytime you need a gay pass. Just in time for the holidays. It's a movie that we've all been expecting. Christmas Resident Evil. Hey, Billy. How's it going? Fine, Tony. How are you? Great. I just got my COVID vaccine. Did it hurt? Nah, I got mine like Nancy Pelosi got hers. What do you mean? Well, they didn't even take the orange cap off the needle. I didn't feel a thing. Really? Not even a little prick? No, silly. Joe Biden wasn't there. <laughs> get it? <laughs> little prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Are you going to get the vaccine? No, not right away. I want to see if there are a lot of side effects in people who actually do get stuck. S -s 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 side effects? Yeah, they're showing more and more people with nasty side effects on social media. L -l -l like what, what kind of side effects? Well, there's facial paralysis, like Bell's palsy. There's persistent coughing, fever, body aches, joint pain, tiredness, dry mouth, stomach cramps, diarrhea, vomiting, chills, itchy, watery eyes, leg pain, and even death. D-d-d-death? Like, people are really dying? Yep. One guy died the day after his vaccination. D-d-d-died from the vaccination? Well, no, not technically. He got hit by a bus. But it's the same thing as those people who got killed in car crashes having their causes of death listed as COVID, right? So it's pretty much the same thing. Wow. Hey, by the way, what are you doing tonight? I think I'm going to binge watch the entire Resident Evil movie franchise. You know, the one with Mila Jovovich? That series about a wild T-virus that gets unleashed on the public, and then they come up with a vaccine and it's worse than the virus? And then the virus mutates and everyone starts turning into shut-ins and zombies and killing each other? You want to come watch with me? Nah, sounds like we're already experiencing Resident Evil right here in America. We'll see you later, bud. Okay, man. Have a great day. Christmas Resident Evil in America. Brought to you by the Wuhan China Novel Coronavirus 2019 Vaccines. Coming to a needle near you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yet here we are, making claims that this product is a panacea, a cure-all, and the end-all be all of science and medical miracles. And here you are, believing all this crap. Just send us some money, so we can send you some sugar pills, snake oil, and a big old box of nothing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Truth Hurts with Steve Z. We look forward to our next visit. Opinions expressed here are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music credits to Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was produced at Studio 63, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.